one, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away, whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoy Lean. DeCam says, give me that, a pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way, bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around, corner, pocket, cash for Lund. It is once again time for another edition of the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC podcast. It's a little different this time, though. We're switching things up. This is just going to be a recap of this past weekend's games. Why Morell alongside me? Well, actually, four hours away or so, so not right alongside me, but you're alongside me at heart, Ryan. I hope you know that. I got Ryan Mitchell with me today, and we're about to recap a few of these games over the weekend. Ryan, how we doing? That's a uh, creative way to put it, Wyatt. I've never heard anyone say before, you're <laughs> you know, along with me at heart. That I, was pretty good. I kind of had to save it after I butchered it, so I just came up with something quick. But no, I, I hope everything's going well. And uh, from broadcasting all those games, I just always got used to saying that you were by my side. So still stuck hey, in my head. Someday in the future, we'll make that happen again where you can say that, okay? I feel like you're still alluding to something that's going to happen down the road. No, and we're probably I'm not getting... alluding to it. We're getting people's hopes up, and it may not even be basketball. I'll just leave that there. Yeah. Maybe the next season. So that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah. You, you never know. Spring's coming. Hey, you never answered my question. How are things going? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Hey, that's that's good to hear. You know, my dad always says better than I deserve, right? I mean, yeah. we're we're doing better than we deserve. So my grandpa used that one a lot. So yes, I there hear you that go. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well, we're gonna get into it, Ryan. We got recaps to go through. We're going to do the ladies first, we're going to do the women's side, then we'll get to the men's side, and these are just for the games this past weekend, which were just Saturday games, January 8th. For some reason, and we talked about this in our last episode, they didn't do a Friday-Saturday this week. It was just Saturday, so not as many to go over, but still a few that we want to get into, and we're going to start on the women's side. Is there anything you want to add before we just start breaking down some of these? No, I mean, there's plenty of things to get to. And I mean, first things first, you know, what was your favorite moment in the Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman area with the Vikings? No, we, we don't have enough time. Do maybe, relax, maybe, folks. Relax. Maybe relax. when they laughed at the Eagles that. for skipping just or passing on Justin Jefferson. I mean, that's got to be up there. I just saw that the other day and I had no idea that that was actually a thing. So. Yeah, Jalen Rager. He'll always be labeled as the guy that should have been Justin Jefferson. And but we don't. No, I, I won't don't, go any further. No, we don't have to. <laughs> Bottom line is Zimmer was great for a lot of years. Gave us a lot of good memories. It was just time, though. So same don't with, let the same door hit Spielman. you on the way out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back to UMAC basketball on the women's side. You want me to just read the scores off, Ryan, and then uh, that works. Yeah. Sure. Let's see. Oh, see, on the UMAX page, I should have done this I, ahead of time. I can read them to you. I have Do them. that because I don't have them up. I apologize. So, unfortunately, Wyatt, we only had two games because there's yes. some uh, COVID situations <laughs> this past weekend, but still had two games. Bethany Lutheran, a resounding 97-75 to win at Martin Luther. Minnesota Morris, a 75-64 to win over Crown, that one taking place in Morris. So those are the two contests we had. Bethany moving themselves to 3-0, and staying on top in conference play. And then we talked about in the last pod why Morris versus Crown was the one we were most looking forward to. Pretty 
compelling game Saturday afternoon between the Cougars and Storm. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, this this was kind of the case for both the men's and the women's side. That was kind of the matchup we were keying in on for the sake of the middle part of the conference on both the men's and women's side. There was a lot of implications as far as that goes. This was an interesting one. I don't know how much of it you got to see. I was able to watch back some of it after the fact. I didn't watch this live, but I was able to watch the last portion of this game. And honestly, the score... It's about what it probably should have been. This wasn't like a two-point game, and then all of a sudden, you know, Morris pulled away late. It was about 10 points the majority of the last five minutes of this game. There was a couple possessions Crown had an opportunity to knock down a shot. Urbina had an open look at three in the final, I think, right under five minutes remaining in this game, just left it short. Morris eventually was able to do enough to pull away and win. It wasn't as close as the score would say it also wasn't as bad as the score would say the box score tells the truth some box scores are misleading this one is about what this game turned out to be they were down only five that is crown heading into the fourth so they were they had a chance they were there like you mentioned yeah no they they were absolutely there but morris on the home court i know there's one player specifically you want to mention and so i won't steal it from you but morris uh, got a few big performances and in front of a home crowd which by the way like uh, Hyder said when we interviewed him last week, the place was actually pretty full for the men's game, and I can see what he means by it actually does get kind of loud in there, all things considered. So I, I can actually relate to what he meant by that now. But back to the women's game, yeah, I mean, go go ahead. You got something I, okay, to say? Okay, this, this may be totally off base, but how many people do you think were there since you saw the stream? I have the number in front of me here on the box floor at well, Jim Gremmel's court for the okay. women's matchup. Oh, see, no, I didn't see it for the women's. I saw it for the men's. Oh, I, I never saw a camera it. angle where I saw it. Um, okay. <laughs> it's probably not very many now that you had it in front of it's you. It's a lot but... more than I thought, actually. Oh, is it? Okay. So. Um, is it three digits? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 160. 248. Wow. That is, that's pretty good for women's hoops in the UMAC. That's really good, actually. Here's the thing. Do they uh, juke those stats at all, you think? Some of these, like, SIDs and stuff you like know, that? I mean, I know the you method can just to put the madness. down a number. Yeah, I know the method to the madness in the Erickson Center and one Matthew Bauman sometimes maybe that's exactly know that flex I was, the numbers a little bit. That's exactly but. what I was referring to. But uh, anyways, hey, we said we were going to stay on track here. We're already down a rabbit hole. we got to reel it back in already, and we're five minutes into this. What uh, stood out to you about the Morris Crown game? I know one specific performance you want to make note of. Yeah, yeah. since you keep alluding to it. Now, uh, I would say you have caught our attention on the women's side going to Lexus Eagle Chasing. The senior on that club, on my squad, representing, that's not important, but uh, playing the most minutes on the squad, leading them in rebounds, assists, and steals, tied for the lead, I should say, in assists and steals. Doing a little bit of everything. Second in scoring, all added up. Wyatt, 19 points, 11 boards, 4 assists, and 3 steals for her. Basically, when they needed it most, when they had been off for a month. Let's remember that, Wyatt. They're one of the teams who had a long, extended break. Crown was coming off of that win over Maranatha Baptist on Friday. Morris, a big-time home win when they needed it most. Upperclassmen stepping up, just what Coach Grove wanted. 1-0 in conference play. You know, they didn't get a chance to play that first weekend. So to be sitting at 1-0, uh, it, it was a big game to defeat Crown, a team that's, you know, trying to vie for a playoff spot perhaps towards the bottom of the playoffs. I wouldn't say they're in the top by any means with the, you know, teams that we put up there at the 1-2-3 mark. But this was a big win for Morris. It was a game that I'm pretty sure I said on the podcast 
they almost had to have in a way because they had the slow start, but it's a completely different season once conference play hits, and that's what we saw here. It's a big win for him, no question. Lots of pressure for the opener for a must win, but, hey, they they came through. (laughs) I know, I understand that sounds crazy, but you're looking at things a lot differently if you're 0-1 in conference with a home loss against a team you feel like you can beat and you're 2-9 overall versus now 1-0 in conference play and even three and eight is a lot different than two and nine. When you totally when you agree. get so it, yep. it was to me at least a big big difference. So anything you want to hit on with Bethany and Martin Luther? I mean, well, you know, another congratulations to Hannah Geisfeld once again, the player of the week. Uh, I mean, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, they were in control. It it this one didn't surprise me that much. I, I don't think it surprised a lot of us. She fell short though, Wyatt. I'm sorry to say, you know, she did a lot on Saturday, but not a double double. You know, she's it's a down performance for her. Thirty-two and nine with six assists as well, but got to get that tenth rebound. I mean, how many minutes did she play? Thirty-seven. Only left the floor for three minutes, and she only had nine rebounds. That is surprising. That's because you know, Kotke and uh, Sickink each took seven rebounds away from her. So she's got to just say, "Hey guys, just let me get one more. Come on, I need ten rebounds." No, no, you know that's not the way they operate there, Bethany. (laughs) They're not selfish like that. Um, no, I mean, it's still an impressive performance nonetheless when we have to actually joke about the fact she didn't get a double-double. It's kind of, it's kind of yeah. funny. We, we've talked enough about her all year though and what she does. And I mean, that, that team in general is continuing to look pretty impressive here as conference play has been off and rolling and they're, they're going to be fun when they take on North Central. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I mean, Martin Luther, I mean, quick shout out to them. They hunted for a while, Wyatt. I mean, they were there going into the fourth quarter and Bethany, outscored him by 17 so we'll see if my subpar math here gets me a number of they were up by just five going into the fourth quarter bethany so yeah martin luther at home gave them a little bit of a fight they had some offense rolling and you know it's just really really tough to slow down that bethany offense defensively no question i mean you tell me they were only down five going into the fourth you look at the final score that that might be a little surprising considering bethany really kicked it into gear there in the final 10 minutes but uh, all things considered, I, I saw the game ending like that. Maybe not the path I saw getting there, but it, it was a game, Bethany, I think a lot of people would have anticipated to win. As far as the women's side goes, that's really all we had. That was a two-for-two, two, or we were both two-for-two two on our game picks there, correct? Yep, we, we got both of those. And for Northland and Superior and Northwestern, North Central, those affected, hopefully they can all get uh, healthy soon and we can uh, get this train back on the tracks. Hey, exactly. I mean, you know, there's a lot of programs that still are being able to play. So let's focus on the positives and not get caught up in the negatives. And they'll get the games in eventually. It's just a matter of when. So hopefully they can stay healthy and get that done. Let's move over to the men's side. Uh, I suppose I can probably rattle off the scores here since I was ill-prepared on the women's side and can go through some of these. So we had a interesting... Four games, Morris and Crown, they're the ones at the top, at least on the UMAC. So I'm just going down in order. There's no particular order that I picked out here. Morris gets the win over Crown, 80-74. to Bethany defeats Martin Luther, 98-55. The Eagles over North Central, 71-59. to And Superior over Northland, 85-64. Let's just start at the top, I guess, and go Morris and Crown, and we'll work our way down. This one, a game that I also looked back on and watched the final couple of minutes of it. This was a five-point game, might have been six, with about five minutes to go. Cade Carroll got loose for a wide-open three, did not connect. They then were able to stop Morris 
once or twice more, Ryan. They had three possessions where this was a five, six-point game under five minutes to go in like that five to four-minute stretch. They turned it over twice, and Cade Carroll missed a wide-open three. So the chances were there for Crown to steal this game late. Eventually, Morris was able to convert on a couple. They built that lead up to 10, and this score was a lot closer than it probably was. Morris was up like 10, 11 points with under a minute to go. Crown got fouled on a three with one second left and knocked down three free throws to make it 80-74. So this box score maybe is a little misleading, but Crown was right there. If Carroll is able to knock down a three, they don't turn the ball over. There was one, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I think it was Ladd drove into the lane and maybe tried to force the issue a little bit for him when he maybe could have just laid back. And those are possessions you want to have back. This is a game Crown probably would want to have back. I'm a little upset because I stuck my neck out there for them and said they were going to get the job done. That was the only pick I missed the entire week. So I could have been a perfect 6-0, and and they had to go and mess it up. So is what it is. Morris, big-time win for them, though. And talking with Tath and Dylan in our last episode, they talked about the importance of this game, and they showed up and delivered on it. That's a huge win for the Cougars. Yeah, well, they talked a lot about everyone seemed hungry and locked in after they had a really long break, too, uh, over Christmas and the New Year's, and they had a really, really balanced effort. Five different players in double figures. They play a lot of guys yet again. They got a total of nine guys playing, all of them in double digits as far as minutes go, so they trust the depth there. It's one they had to have, and uh, since it was the only one you got, Ron, uh, I'll just mention that I'm thankful that I picked Morris with this one. But hey, don't worry, don't worry. Hey, you can you can knock me in a moment. For you. In a moment, you can knock me on one that I did get, Ron, and we'll we'll get to that well, shortly. But and that's the thing, we ended up finishing the same record this week because we only missed one on the men's side and we were perfect on the women's side. I'm glad you mentioned the five guys in double figures because I think that's one of Morris's strengths this year is that yep. they can fill it up, but they have a lot of different guys that can fill it up. So. Even if one or two of those guys have an off day, let's say, they still have a lot of different ways they can produce points. And Hyder, Wyatt, just so you know, he's going to go off at some point, all right? He's going to go off for my team at some point. Called him a certified bucket getter. 12 on Saturday, not bad, okay? I mean, but he's going to go off at some point, all right? I know there's more in Mr. Dylan Hyder. We will recap the fantasy basketball once we run through these last couple of games, give a quick recap, because things have gotten very interesting on that front as well. Anything else you want to talk about with that one before we move on? That pretty much hits it. Real quickly, you mentioned the three ball. I mean, Crown can still be better. You mentioned the missed one. They were better in the second half. What were they, nine for 26, I think, in in the game? 35% from deep, yeah. And Carroll had a great game. But, yeah, he'd probably like a couple back where four of 11 isn't terrible. But, like you said, if he makes that one big one where you said, what, they were down five or six and it would have been a one-possession game with a a good. It was a clean look. Yeah, I mean, the whole game flips at that yep. point so something that we're going to continue to watch throughout the season is crowned from beyond the arc 35 percent's not terrible but like you said they still could be better and there's a few they'd probably like to have back no question uh let's move on there's not a whole lot i don't think we need to say about this one other than bethany continues to look better and better 98 to 55 over martin luther on the road nonetheless and brian smith that's the brian smith i want to see right there 50 percent from deep 24 points player of the week in the umac this week That is the Brian Smith I picked to win the Conference Player of the Year award. I need to see more of that from him. But they also had five guys in double figures, I think, too. If not, they had at least four. I know Mayfield got there. Shrupp was there. So, yeah, they they had other guys that filled it up, and they really were in control of this one right away. I mean, this was not never in question. They looked, to me, 
I shouldn't say that. I didn't watch much of the game. But when you look at the box score, this looks like a team that believed they were going to win the game when they showed up. And then they went out there and not just expected it, but they actually capitalized on it and proved it right from the start. Yeah, and if my math is correct here, and again, that uh, is a big question mark, but they got 15 whopping guys in the game wide. So not only do they get a win, Coach Garvin basically, I mean, that's probably the whole team. He unloads the bench. Everyone who laced him up actually got to get up, got and most got of them, to get on the there floor. you go and most of them scored too i'm pretty sure there's quite a few guys down there that didn't play very much two points three points two points so i mean there's different guys that were getting in and scoring late in that game too yeah only two guys i see here didn't score and balanced attack and like you said i mean we know brian's got the volume 16 shots isn't a lot for him to get 24 on just 16 that's shots efficient. and knock down six triples yeah, that's and very chip in five assists that's about as good as it gets for the champlain product that is that is very efficient no question about that i don't think uh, coach garvin's going to be upset with that by any means so uh martin, pro- martin luther just uh hey that they're your I, team man let's what do you gotta I, say i'm worried i don't know what to say because the panic button has been hit Yes, I said, Wyatt, they cannot keep up with them Is if this becomes a track meet. And when Bethany puts up 59 in the first half and shoots 54% from the field, I mean, it's over. They they took yeah. the male cheer squad out of the game, totally neutralized <laughs> that home court advantage if there was any, and just said that's not even going to be a factor in the second half. So for anyone who showed up for Martin Luther, they're like, okay, uh, we wanted a moment in the second half where this could get close, but well, it just thing. never was. When you go into those games as a fan and you're an underdog, that's all you want is the game to be yeah. close and have something, you know, even if you can't come away with a win. Yep. But when it gets taken out of you within the first 20 minutes of the game, it just definitely it's sets deflating. the tone. It is. It takes the air out of the building. And I'll talk about air out of the building here in a moment as well. We're going right into it right now. What? What? You were courtside for this game. Well, I forget. Were you courtside or did you decide not to sit in the no. front row? This is the Northwestern North Central game, by yeah. the way. Eagles win 71-59. I'm just turning it over to you and letting you talk about this one. I could not reach out and touch the floor, but I, I could still see everything that was going on. And we talked about in the last pod, Wyatt, North Central, not back in class yet. I understand it was still a couple of days away, but okay, it's the weekend before. Call him it's, out, Ryan. It's it's Mini versus Paul Wyatt. They played him twice last year, both on the road. They think they're on the precipice. Coach DeWitt has done a fantastic job turning around that program. But now it's time to capitalize at some point. Like you said, they got to come up with the big win. And no better time than the present to do it when they finally get Northwestern at home. As soon as I saw before the game, I kid you not, you can ask the guys who I was watching the game with. I turned to them and said, guys, I hate to say it, this game's already over. North Central's not winning. As soon as I heard the starting lineup was announced, you see Cam Thomas, unfortunately, I don't know what the deal is. He was in sweats. And then later, I don't know what the deal is with Fuque. Again, a guy in my squad. We'll get to that later. But he doesn't play either. Another one of their scorers. So they got two guys who aren't normally and, and starting in the lineup. The one that's interesting there, not to cut you off, is you told me that he actually was in uniform, though. So obviously yes. Th- Thomas wasn't. Yep. He nope. was He was not. So that's you're not expecting to see him once you see that. But then you see Fuque on the bench, and you're thinking, okay, he's just coming off the bench. But then yeah. he never gets in. No, he had the headband on and everything. He looked jumping and rearing to go. I don't I don't want to speculate any further because I don't know what the deal was. It's already a tall test to take down Northwestern, and we talk about the spreads, Wyatt, when we joke about that. And, again, we're not gambling on UMAC hoops, but it's just a you know, fun tidbit to talk about. That would be just absolutely absurd. So. <laughs> so with all the uncertainties and stuff, that'd just be stupid. Yeah, we're, we're not stupid to that level. But you needed a buzz in that building and a little bit of an advantage for the Rams to have a chance. And – 
again, they, they just got to be better. I mean, from time to time, it was just dead in there. I mean, it felt like a morgue. And I'm not, I'm not trying to rip them away. I'm saying this from a standpoint of they have to expect better. And I know it's just before, you know, they get back for the next semester and what's going on. But I was looking forward to the game just from an atmosphere. Let's see what happens in the building and what's going on. And then, you know, this isn't an officiating podcast, but woof, Wyatt. Woof. I mean, there was stretches in that game where they would call nothing, no matter what kind of contact there was, hedging on ball screens, reaching in the cookie jar, they would call nothing. And then the ball's thrown down in the post, and there's the same contact there's been all afternoon long, and then they just start blowing the whistle. And it's like there's no consistency, and it was both ways, okay? Coach Gross and Coach DeWitt were upset with the officiating. Yeah, it was... The, the whole thing w- was just disappointing the whole afternoon. Why I can get more into the game in a moment, but you go ahead. I was just say that's the biggest thing with officiating, not to harp on it, but there's got to be a level of consistency. If there's not, that's that's when you lose credibility, and it's extremely frustrating for both coaches. As far as the on-court stuff with the game goes, I watched the last five minutes of it, and Northwestern seemed like they were in control. I know Alm was able to hit a little turnaround jump shot late in that game. The big play, though, how about Mr. Owen Borma, the big O, able to back his guy down. You know the play I'm talking about? On the baseline, do a little fade. I mean, he hit a double-double. If he's going to have a double-double when you got guys like Alm and K-Mink next to him, he right now he's almost the biggest storyline of this Northwestern team this year, I feel like. I know the play you're talking about, Wyatt. What he has added to his game this year. It's they incredible. are yelling from the bench North Central. Left, left, I, left. I could, I could hear it. He's never going right, but what he's added, Wyatt, he used to only be able to flip over the right shoulder and one hand with the left hand. What he's added in that baseline play you're talking about, to turn, rise up, and shoot it on a fadeaway where it's not a hook. He's elevating on that jump shot, fading away to knock it down, and he's already, what, 6'3", 6'4"? And he's a tall dude already. That's so tough to stop when he's able to do that, and if he gets the touch on the left block or the right block, and it's not just purely a baby hook with the left hand, I'm glad you mentioned him, White. He's one of the most unsung heroes. He's one of the smartest players you're going to see in all the UMAC. Ultra efficient. He never takes a forced shot. But if you leave him open on the left wing or in the left corner, he can kick out and knock down a triple as well, and he will not hesitate from those two spots. So there was a stretch in this game, White, real quickly, in the first half where it was five, six minutes, where it was great offense back and forth. But that was about it. There was a stretch where Alm hit a triple, and then Filer did a little shimmy, and they were they were chatting. They were talking yeah, on each other back it. and forth down the other it. way. And you know, Noah's not really ticking until he makes a shot and shakes his head going the other way. You know he's feeling it when he starts to shake his head going the other way. Filer wanted it as well. They both wish they had a couple shots they could get back, but you know Noah was efficient. We'll get more to him later on. But North Central had a chance. It was 59-52 forever, where Northwestern's offense was honestly dead for six or seven minutes, and the Rams just could not make a shot to cut into it. They had a chance in this game to make it tight late, and they just could not convert. So when I turned it on, it was 59-53 with about five minutes. So it must have been just right before that, that yep. stretch, the Eagles just could not get anything About huh? 10 to five minutes, it was not great basketball, and there was about no offense in the game. I'm surprised so. you're not going to mention Alms dunk. That that was a that was something else. We can uh, maybe uh, I just reference people to the tweet if they want to see that. I just say it's two points. I mean, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, but you're old school. You're no. old school. Hey, look, you're it's, Bobby a, it's impressive. Guy. Just, just it lay is, it in. It is impressive. Don't get me wrong. I've never been one to risk it like he did necessarily. You'll just have to check the tweet if people want to see it. You can go 
uh, to the UNW Eagles Athletics Twitter account. What is the exact wording for theirs? I always screwed up. UNWMBB. And we can do a better job. We can maybe give that a retweet so people can just go, sure and go to we'll, our we'll and retweet it. I guess so. I yeah. that's a good point. I've never been one, and we don't have to. This is not the purpose of our podcast, is to go into the, every single little details with these recaps. But as long as you got me on up on my chair here talking about it, just yeah, in a, a case like that, just a normal dunk to me does the job. I think more impressive than anything is when you dunk over somebody or you go through a defender in like the half court. A breakaway dunk to me, anybody can do that. So yeah, to me, almost it is just two points in a way. It's a heck of a dunk that he had. It was yeah. risky though, too. More than a shooter, as I like to say with Mr. Alm. He, he rebounds he the basketball and can he jump pretty high as well. So. He's gotten kind of a bad rap, I feel like, over the past year or two because of his ability to shoot. But I feel like he's another guy. We talk about the big O, you know, being able to up his game a little bit. I feel like Alm has really upped his game in a lot of ways, too, this year. He's smarter, and you should see that as a guy's getting older and older and a super senior, but the shots he does take, the spots he can get to, and his just awareness of where to be at the right time, yeah. he's getting smarter and smarter. In well, defense especially, you see that. And I wasn't even talking about his shooting either, but just his ability to play down low too. Like I feel yeah. like he's able to go down low a lot more this year compared to previous. There was a way I, I saw this game turning out where Filer did not have to score 20 points and they could win. I remember saying that in, in our preview last week. He scored 13. There was not a path for them to win if he was going to shoot 5 for 16 from the field, though. Yep. that That's yeah, the issue. Well, and he became the guy for large stretches with Fuquay not playing, Thomas not well, playing. And, and that's the thing, too. Jonathan Thompson had a great game wide where he's 8 of 14. They encouraged him at halftime coming out of the locker room. They're like, you got to shoot. I don't know how many open shots why he passed up and was just giving up the ball right away and didn't drive it to the 10. They probably just wish he was selfish earlier. Castro, I think, was pretty good i mean he had some acrobatic finishes in the lane but it it really did come down to micah filer in that spot with the guys out he needed to do more for them on saturday well and how much stock do we put into this game knowing that they had two of their best players not available that's that's what needs to be considered they kept it to 12 points they had a chance late so i that's the thing it's just hard to get a read on some of these results knowing what we know with who played and who didn't But I also think, you know, they could say and look at it and, you know, people may be listening to this and say, okay, you guys are just absolute homers. But with Northwestern, since I've seen so many games, why I wouldn't give that over a B minus grade for how they played Saturday. It wasn't bad, but I'd honestly give it a C plus. They had stretches where they were not in rhythm. Kyle had a rough afternoon. It was a really quiet 16 for him. And they gave North Central an opportunity to step in, even with the guys out of the game. That should have been a lot tighter down the stretch. And so... I think the Rams may be kicking themselves and saying, we didn't even get Northwestern on a great day. And, you know, they're going to meet again later this year. They may meet in the playoffs they, as well. I was going to say, so. yeah, it might be more than once still at this point. But, yeah. okay, let's move on. We talked about that one enough, unless there's something you need to add. No, but I feel no, like you're we're, right. let's, we're probably let's yep. good to move on. Superior Northland, this was the game you lost. You were you were out there for the Lumberjacks saying they're going to get to 3-0. and And, man, Superior just took it to them, 85-64. And let alone, they did it without Javon Walker. You you asked me which one of the three guys for Superior was going to lead the way. I say Walker. <laughs> he ends up not even playing, and they still win by 21. They, as a team, Wyatt, are the you caught our attention on the men's side for this week. Just that total effort. I'm glad you mentioned that Walker was out. They still find a way to get it done. A career day for, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, <laughs> Josef 
Farenholtz, the That's junior six foot seven center out of Chatfield, have a day young man leading superior in scoring with 15 seven boards as well, ultra efficient. And then Ackley, my dude, doing a little bit of everything 14, 12, and six. Their shooting performance, Wyatt, they've been around 30% all year long, struggled from deep, 46% from the field, 41% from downtown. Shooting traveling, Wyatt, is tough to do when you're on yeah. the road. And you're right, egg in my face, Wyatt. Throw the proverbial egg in my face right now. I said Northwind was going to come up with the goods. They were going to find a way. Disappointing afternoon for Coach Sorensen's club. Superior blitzed them, and they never really were able to climb back into it to make it serious down the stretch. And uh, tough loss for them. I mean, they're still 2-1. and one. you got to have amnesia, as you like to say all the time, and just advance and move past it. But Here's big win for the Jackets. I, I say that, but I also have started to take the approach of you also don't want to forget it necessarily because then you forget the lesson. You have to be able to take some lessons from these losses as well. So if they just completely try to flush it, maybe they'll forget you know the lesson they need to take out of it. Yep. As far as the game itself goes, like you said, this was never really a contest. 44-25 at halftime. Ackley picking up 12 rebounds really sticks out. I mean, a double-double for him. Big-time performance, especially now that we know Walker didn't play either. I mean, for him to be able to step up when they needed him. And like you said, I mean, just a career day there for Fahrenholtz. I mean, this was a big-time win for Superior on the road. This is the team to me that if they show up like that on a consistent basis, it might be a little far to say they can be up there near the top competing, you know, with the best of the best. They're not far off, though. They are not far off if they can do that on a consistent basis. That's a big win for them. They currently own the tiebreaker over Northland now at both 2-1 and in conference play. It's a big win for the Yellow Jackets, no question. And moving forward, Wyatt, I mean, it maybe gives them the leg up as those teams in the middle tier to slide into that four slot. I mean, I think them, Crown, Morris are all so tight so far this season. And I, you know, I didn't see the game, so I don't know. I just have questions with Northland, like Ryan Rawlings, you know, led the 12, way in that win over Bethany. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. He yeah. only had two fouls. Was he hurt or was he just not giving them what they needed? They went super deep into the bench as well. They played 11 guys, Sorensen, trying to find the right combinations, but superior. Rock steady. We talk about the guys at the top, but another team wide. Five dudes in double figures. Yeah. No runaway talent on that squad, but Coach Polkowski's club playing like a team. Their defense has been there this year, holding teams under 70 points. If they can get shooting like that on the road, like you said, watch out. There's there's certainly something to be said about consistency and having guys score in double figures. You get five guys that are doing that, you're going to be tough to stop. We saw that a lot now that I think about it. The box scores we've gone through, a lot of teams with four or five different guys getting into double figures. So there wasn't any like big one stand-up performances on the men's sides outside of Cade Carroll putting up 28, but that was in a losing effort even. So, yeah. no, yeah, it was it was a fun four games, and we start to learn a little bit more about these teams here as we move forward. So it was it was fun. It's time now to get into fantasy basketball, Ryan. This is the last thing we want to recap here from the past, really just the games on Saturday. Again, it wasn't a Friday-Saturday slate. It was just Saturday. Things are tightening up a little bit. You want to uh, go over some of the results that we have right now? Yeah, let's uh, flip back and uh, start with ladies first, Wyatt. And there's just so many blanks with the COVID stoppages we've had. This is tough to, yeah, really get a good read on. I'm going to pull out all the excuses, Wyatt. My squad's just been ravaged. I mean, I got three Northwestern players who have had issues and haven't been able to play yet this season, and then other players who've been hampered by COVID as well. So I just clearly picked a bad roster. No, they'll they'll get the games in eventually. At least that's what the hope is. You would hope. 
when you have guys still playing, I mean, it's over. I mean, you're almost beating me. Well, not quite. I was going to say guys still alone is almost beating my whole team. It's not quite that bad for me. But, uh, yeah, I, you're going to be tough to beat when you got people playing. I, I don't know. Do you, does anything stick out with your team from this weekend? Well, I mean, you're still within reach, all things considered, with the fact that you've had a few players not be able to play. So, I mean, that's the good news for you. I think you're more than within reach. I've had a few, though, that haven't played either, obviously. So it somewhat evens out, I guess, in a certain to a certain extent. Yep. I would say, I mean, I got good performances from a few other players, too, though. I mean, I was able to pick up 18 from Mallory Anderson, and then, obviously, Heckendorf and Urbina both put up 24 and 25. So, I mean, it wasn't just Geisfeld this past week, and that's the kind of contributions I need on a consistent basis. So I'm uh, I'm liking where I'm at, though, on the women's side of things for sure. You got good volume down your lineup. And, I mean, for both of our squads, White, the people who are out are like tanks. I mean, I got, you know, my first and second pick and then my yeah. fourth pick. And, you know, not to keep throwing the excuses cards, but I will, okay? Points are coming. I got to stay patient. Not, not to do it, but you're going to. <laughs> yeah, but uh, where we sit now, if anyone cares, you're up 294 to 212. But, again, we'll, we'll know a lot more in a couple weeks, I think, when this starts to even out a little more with games played, and we'll get a better sense of things. This is where things get interesting. Let's go to the men's side. Everybody has three games played. So if they missed a game, they missed a game. But they're not making games up. So on the women's side, there's games that are going to be made up and things will even out. Explain that to me. I was talking with someone about that on Saturday. How are we having all of these COVID stoppages and postponements on the women's side and the men's side has stayed clear? I mean, just another wrench thrown into this. How does that even work? I I have no idea. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you would think they're practicing in the same gyms and getting tested the same amount. Yeah, I mean, we're not throwing any conspiracies out here. I just, I don't get it. It it is interesting to say the least. As far as the fantasy scores go on the men's side, though, these these are more official because we've all had three conference games. Even though we've each, you know, Cade Carroll missed the first two games for me. You had two players that didn't get to play this week, so that's disappointing for you. You're hanging on to a slim lead here at 448 to 443, but I got to be honest, I'm feeling pretty good about where my team is, all things considered, moving forward. Well, I'll say I'm feeling good too because I'm all ahead. Right. And, you know, Fuquay and Thomas, I was counting on against Northwestern last year. They had some big games and then they don't even play. And I still, like I said, Hyder's going to go off for some big games still, I think. Henry's still going to have some bigger performances. I still think he's getting better as the season goes. And then, you know, we're just waiting. You said Alm's going to break the record. I'm waiting for him to drop 45 <laughs> at some point this year and give me a massive number. So. See, that's kind of like a win-win for me. If it happens, I can say I was right. If not, I know it's not <laughs> killing my fantasy team too much. But yeah. uh, keep in mind, I mean, I missed Walker this week as well, though, so we're all dealing yep. with some stuff, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, that's the Cade Carroll I was looking for, though. Yeah, you got you got to love that one. That, I know that's you a good were worried. Sign going into Saturday because he hasn't played, but that is a great sign. Not just that he had a big game, but the volume. They trusted him. They were not like, let's ease Cade back into it. Coach Herbert's like, no, you're our dude. We're going to let you shoot whenever you want it. You're going to crash the glass. You're never going to leave the floor, and you're going to help Wyatt Morrell get some points. That's exactly, those were his exact words, if if I'm remembering right. (laughs) Here's the thing. You talk about the Northwestern guys and how they can start filling up. I got one, too, that had a pretty quiet performance, all things considered, in Kyle Kamen. He's had a slower start to conference play. Brian Smith, if anything, we just saw what's a sign of things to come, hopefully. I'm worried I'm, about Brian. I think he's going to be the my team is, I think my team is starting to trend in the right direction now. 
Brian, who is who I'm most worried about, who could go off and really start to hurt things for my squad. So that's that's who I'm watching on your squad. The men's side is much more appealing right now because we know everybody's played three games and we actually realize how close the score is. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell how close our score on the women's side is with all the cancellations at this point. So we'll just have, have we to... said the official score yet to people? I mean, you and I Four... are looking at it, but four forty-eight to four forty-three. You're in front. Your yeah. leading scorer so far up to this point. Believe it or not, it was your last pick in Mason Ackley. Uh, Mason Ackley. Yeah. He's sitting at 83. Royston's got 81. That was your second pick. For me, I'm sitting at 80 with Smith, my second pick. Then it's Kyle at 65, and then Jordan Brennan at 64, which was a seventh-round pick, actually. So there's some good variety there. I mean, we each have gotten some contributions from our top guys as well as some guys down below. So I think this makes us look good, Wyatt, with how tight it is and how balanced it is throughout. For I mean, sure. I think these are pretty even teams. I would you know, agree. we missed some guys, maybe, like you said, but we, the teams we, we got aren't too shabby. No, the teams we got, I mean, I'm happy with the team I got, all things considered. I just need everybody to play now on a consistent basis, and we should be good to go. So hopefully they can do that for whatever reason they're not playing. There's, dif- there's different sicknesses, injuries. There's a lot of reasons people miss time. I just want all of those to be thrown out the window, and hopefully both of our teams get, get the guys to play. Totally agree. As you said in the last pod, Wyatt, the brand of the whole conference is better when its best players are on the floor. Nobody can debate that or dispute no. that. If they did, yeah. I would be happy to shred them if yeah. they want to. But It's it's like, Wyatt, you see in all levels of sports, when your team gets a big win, but the best player on the other team wasn't available, like when the Packers you know, get drubbed by the Vikings, but they're like, oh, you just dominated Brett Hundley. It's like, well, it wasn't our fault that yeah. Rodgers left the game. You know, what are we going to do gonna about that? We're not going to apologize for yeah. it. Yeah, and they're like, well, it doesn't count, though, so don't worry about it. So, anyway, not Whatever. to bring up the Vikings again. But. So that's all we were going to do with the recap on this episode, and we'll just make a quick note before we sign off here. We're going to have coaches' interviews coming up here a little later in the week. We will have a preview for the next week of weekend of games as well. We're going to start putting these into a little bit of smaller chunks so that there will be a couple of different episodes a week. They'll just be much smaller. Quite honestly, this one maybe will be as long as we get as far as recaps go, too. I, I mean, I, I won't speak for you, Ryan. I feel yeah, like I we maybe say, we I win a police, few. I got to police myself. Well, me as well, though. We went a few places we maybe didn't need to go. But the reason for this is to give people, you listeners, a little bit of more freedom as to what you want to listen to and hopefully uh, can stay involved for the shorter episodes perhaps yeah. and listen all the way through that way. More more digestible, Wyatt, and we're mm-hmm. trying to make things as relevant and timely as possible as far as when we record and when we release. It is yep. for the people that we are doing this. No question. I mean, if it's a little bit of a benefit to us, that's helpful. But at the same time, <laughs> it's, it's also a challenge for us because we have to set aside more time as far as consistent times throughout the week. But I think it's beneficial to the listeners because they're going to be able to hopefully digest it better, as you said, and also just be able to click and listen to what they want to listen to. And, you know, it's not all in just one big chunk. As the season moves along, though, Wyatt, what are we doing? We're making good on our promise to continually change our best. So we're raising our level just like teams are. At least we are. think that's what we're doing. Well, yeah, just like teams are. We're finding ways to raise our level as the season gets further and further along here as we head towards the stretch run. For sure. Absolutely. Only other thing I would say is you can follow us on Twitter, unlike any other, the UMAC. Send us an email if you have questions, want to be on the podcast, have some insight for us. We love getting input. 
UAO the UMAC at gmail.com. Pretty simple, pretty easy to remember. Uh, we'll have timestamps really for everything, although for the way we're doing things now on the episode, I don't know how much of a timestamp we can give, but all of our information is in the description as well on every single podcast that we release. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, lots of different platforms. Make sure to download, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Ryan, anything you want to add before we quick sign off? Nope. Looking forward to more content throughout this week, like you said, with our preview for a very loaded slate. Finally back to Friday, Saturday, Wyatt. We're going to really get cooking here later this week. Back to that. And then coaches' interviews lined up as well. So more good stuff coming, people. Stay tuned. Stay tuned this week. As he said, preview coaches' interviews should be a lot of fun. We'll talk to you next time on the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC podcast.